Hi, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I'm your host and founder of Alzheimer Speaks, Lori LeBay. Here in Minnesota, our, our uh, cold snap has uh, swung upward, so we're no longer below zero. So we're all kind of happy here in Minnesota. It's been a beast the past, past few days. Um, before we get started on our show today, I just always like to tell everybody a little bit about Alzheimer Speaks and who we are, because we're always getting new listeners. So Bear with me here. Um, Alzheimer Speaks is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort worldwide. And I started it because of my mother's own journey with dementia symptoms for over 30 years. So it just so significantly changed my life. I changed careers. And um, and here at Alzheimer Speaks, we believe that you know by joining forces and sharing knowledge and just having these everyday conversations about life with dementia, that we're going to be able to remove the stigmas attached to memory loss and help those live with the disease, live with purpose. Um, everybody deserves that, and it's just been a, an awesome journey to be part of this whole process. At our core, we believe collaboration is the only way we're going to win this battle against dementia. And I know it's working because of all your clicks and likes and shares to your Facebook friends, your, your LinkedIn colleagues, your Twitter tribe, um, your Pinterest circles, and, and uh, Google friends as well. Because um, through all of your social media pushes, um, you, you got Alzheimer's Speaks acknowledged as the number one influencer online regarding Alzheimer's by Cher Karen Dr. Oz, and that is quite an honor. And we feel really privileged and blessed for your help in raising awareness in this because we couldn't do this alone. Um, and it's so critical for all of us to raise everyone else's voice, to share knowledge of what's going on so that people, when they're ready... Um, can grab a hold of the knowledge that's out there because there are so many resources that people don't know about. And that was um, really one of our goals because I know for our family, we felt that there were really limited resources. And it's been amazing talking to people all around the world doing spectacular work. And that's one of the things we're going to be highlighting today is what the heck's going on out in Massachusetts and um, all the wonderful work that they are doing there um, I also want to mention to our listeners that maybe you also would be a great guest. And we interview people that have dementia, uh, family and friends who are caring or concerned about somebody with dementia, businesses, um, researchers. I mean, Harvard has even been on the show, called to be on the show. We've had uh, people who are doing trials, musicians, um, uh, directors, movie makers, advocates, um, anything goes. So what is your passion? How can you make a difference in terms of utilizing your own skills is something that's critically important to all of us. <clears throat> I also want to give a shout out to the Purple Angel Project. If people aren't familiar with that, you need to get involved. This is a concept that was started by Norms McNamara over in the UK, and it's a simple symbol, a purple angel with a globe. And it is now in over 17 countries. It's free to use. All you have to do is read a short poster. If you're a company, you need your employees to read it, and you can start utilizing this symbol. And it's a simple concept. It's one of just getting the conversation started. So like the pink ribbon for breast cancer, it's just getting people to ask, what is it? You know, to have that conversation and to remove fears and show a collaboration of work together uh, to, uh, to shift our dementia care culture. I also want to give a shout-out to my friends here at HealthStar Home Health um, in Minnesota. I just absolutely adore their work. Uh, they're part of the Alzheimer's Whisperer program and have just done so many wonderful initiations regarding dementia and caregiving. We are going to be having on in a couple of weeks um, Norms McNamara, and he's going to be talking not only about the Purple Angel Project, but also Rock with Dementia, which is a huge um, musical event that's going to be happening all around the world and um, really excited about that. We've talked about it for a long time, but it's it's coming to fruition at this point. So uh, without any further ado, let me go ahead and introduce our guest today. We have 
uh, three people from senior living residents out in Massachusetts. And the first is Pam Maloney, and she is a communications professor with senior living residents. And she actually is the one that spearheaded the development of the company's dementia-friendly communities initiative back in 2014, which is really cool. They um, created tools and training materials, including interactive sensitivity training. And um, you know, Pam's gonna tell us a little bit more about that. She has um, successfully launched the campaign in Westfield, Massachusetts, and put that city on the map as the first dementia-friendly city on the east coast um, of the U.S. and is currently working on bringing dementia-friendly community initiatives to more cities, towns, and organizations across Massachusetts. And to me, you know, that just makes me so excited because I was um, lucky enough to be part of the, the very first um, dementia-friendly community in Wisconsin uh, that we launched a, a few years back. And, um, you know, the traction that has happened um, has just really been quite incredible. So welcome, Pam. How are you today? Good. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful. I, I'm so excited that you guys are here with us today. Let me go ahead and introduce um, Robert um, Larkin, and we're going to call him Bob today. Um, that's what everyone, what everyone calls him. So just a a nice, uh, <clears throat> wonderful man. He's the president and co-founder of Senior Living Residence um, and developed one of the Massachusetts first assisted living residents and was also a founding member of the Massachusetts Assisted Living Association. Um, he launched his company, a highly acclaimed uh, Compass Memory Support Program um, in 2010, um, treating the symptoms of dementia with a holistic approach using social engagement, lifelong learning, exercise, and evidence-based brain-healthy nutrition programs to nourish the body, the mind, the spirit, um, and the soul of their residents. So we're, we're going to be really excited to hear more about that. So welcome, Bob. Thank you very much, Laura. I appreciate it. Um, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Our, our third guest today is Kathy, uh, Cassie, and Brathwaite, and she is a passionate dementia care and assisted living professional working with two of the senior living residence communities in Boston, Massachusetts. And Cassie's background has included developing innovative memory care programs, educating staff, residents, and family on dementia, and leading dementia care support groups and outreach program. She is a staunch advocate for Alzheimer's research and one of the driving forces of the dementia-friendly Boston Initiative. So welcome, Cassie. Thank you. I'm happy to be on. <clears throat> well, we're thrilled to have you here. Um, all three of your backgrounds and um, abilities, I think, are, are just such a wonderful, um, diverse match in terms of moving things forward. So I'm really excited to have, have this conversation with you. Um, so I'm going to start this out, and I'm going to point this question to Pam first. Um, and if you can tell us what um, senior living residents, um, what, what exactly is it, and, and what do you guys do there? Um, well, senior living residences is a management company and owner of 12 assisted living communities across Massachusetts. Uh, in addition to our assisted living communities, we also have, as you mentioned earlier, our Compass Memory Support Program. And Bob can probably speak better about um, the development of the Compass Program. Okay. Bob, I'm dying to hear about the Compass Program. And, and as an owner, why did you feel it was important to develop? And, you know, tell us a little bit about the program. Well, the, um, the Compass Program is uh, operates in our assisted living communities both as uh, secure neighborhoods within uh, larger assisted living communities. Uh, we also have some freestanding uh, Compass assisted living communities. And Compass is the uh, programmatic name we also have for um, different innovative, innovative programs we've developed to assist uh, seniors with all levels of dementia. Um, and I think that um, uh, you know, we've been doing uh, uh, dementia care for seniors in the assisted living environment for about uh, 25 years. Um, and uh, about 15 years ago, um, we, we really decided that uh, the communities that, that uh, were doing the best job 
were the ones that um, really took a therapeutic approach to treating the symptoms of uh, Alzheimer's and other dementias in uh, in the residents. Uh, and um, so we decided to really um, build on that strength and create a, uh, a whole new uh, brand, if you will, within our company to give the, um, the Alzheimer's care uh, staff and neighborhoods and programming a, a level of um, kind of a, uh, distinctiveness and identity within the company and, with, and outside the company. And our, our philosophy, um, we spent a lot of time, you know, sort of working together and going back and forth, uh, talking about in very practical terms what was working and what wasn't. Um, and we, we, we decided that there were uh, kind of three, uh, three prongs to, to the things that worked. First was uh, focusing on residents and their dignity as individuals that still have a lot of life in them. Um, second was uh, focusing on families and helping families to understand that Alzheimer's is a very, very difficult disease, but it is not a death sentence. Uh, people with Alzheimer's still have so much of their personalities and so much of their beings and so much of their souls still there and yet families get bombarded with messages from the uh, public environment that Alzheimer's is uh, something so dread that it uh, deserves to be stigmatized. And I often uh, we, we, you know, get concerned that sometimes the, the fundraising efforts of the, uh, the most well-intentioned who are looking to raise funds to combat the, the disease through research um, provide such a negative image of Alzheimer's that it makes it that much more difficult for families. And, and that led to the, to the third prong of, of our approach, which is to dedicate ourselves to become uh, uh, public educators and public advocates so that the, the families and the public at large could benefit from the, the decades and decades of experience that all of our, our communities and our staff have in working with people at all levels of, of dementia and working with families. And uh, we found that that has been um, something that has been uh, valuable to families, valuable to residents, and has been very inspiring to all of our associates that work in our dementia communities to know that they're part of something very forward-looking uh, and, and very, very big and, and important, and that they are actually helping to make things better for families as well as for residents. Well, I think that that is wonderful, and I, I love your three, your three prongs because they're just such critical pieces. Can you mention those again in case the audience did not hear all three of them? Uh, yeah, the first is, of course, uh, the first prong of our approach is to focus on providing programs including social interventions as opposed to drugs and so forth for residents. So residents are number one, their individual quality of life, making their day, each day, as good as possible and reminding everyone that these residents still have so much life in them. The second prong is to work with families. As many of us know who have been through this, um, Alzheimer's is so difficult for families. It actually tears some families apart. And uh, we wanted to let families know that they are not alone and that families that find themselves in conflict because they have differing approaches, differing beliefs in what's best for their mom or dad with Alzheimer's, that those families are not even alone in conflict, that many families go through this and that it comes about because so many people care so much but no one is quite sure what the right thing to do is, but everyone feels like their way must be the right way because they want to do things the way they think their parents would have wanted. And so families get into conflict about that. So our second prong is to really work with families. And that led to our third prong, which is to become public educators and advocates, using our website, using our communities, programs that uh, Professor Maloney talks about, like Dementia Friendly, that, um, that take the uh, experience that we have, the innovations that, that we've developed, 
um, the techniques we've developed to work with seniors with Alzheimer's directly uh, and to let families know what those are to help families that are still in the community supporting um, loved ones with Alzheimer's at home. So the three prongs, the residents, the families, and the public at large. Yeah, and that is just so um, beautiful because, you know, so many times I think in the past um, companies and individuals both have approached it, you know, on a, on a linear level, and, and this is just so fluid. And we can't have true culture change if we don't include everybody because we all have impact and um, we have to start really realizing that and appreciating that and, and also understanding how much each of us can change that and the power that we have as, as one individual um, can make a big difference. Um, I mean, just look at the three of you, you know, put together and the, and the changes that you're making in, in Massachusetts. It's, um, it's brilliant. So I thank you for that. And, you know, being the founder and president um, says a lot about about you and your organization and where you want to go. And I, I think you are definitely, definitely, definitely ahead, of, ahead of the stepping up and um, <clears throat> in making these changes happen. So thank you so much for, for your integrity and, and foresight. Well, thank you. You know, the, uh, the uh, main issue you're going to be talking about today, of course, is uh, our, our program working, collaborating with the, the dementia-friendly organization. And um, I want to tell you, I want to say a word about how that, uh, what, what triggered that here at, uh, at, at, at Senior Living Residences in our compass. Uh, we had a case um, uh, about 2000, uh, 2005 where a senior uh, uh, living at home, uh, early stages of dementia, but the family didn't really get it yet. Uh, the uh, senior was taken by, with the family, one of the family members on vacation uh, uh, down to a, another city in Florida. Um, the senior, unbeknownst to anyone in the family, wandered out on their own. Uh, uh, it was dusk. Um, once there, uh, she was able to uh, realize that um, she had made a mistake that she didn't know where she was, that uh, she was getting scared. She uh, went into various uh, retail stores on the street, in a very nice, beautiful area, went very, into these retail stores and um, asked to use a phone, asked to help. Uh, she uh, uh, was refused, turned away. Um, she began uh, figuring in her confusion that, that uh, she would try and, and find the, her car. So began uh, going in and out of parked cars looking for Massachusetts state license plates, even though they, that she had flown to Florida that morning. Uh, saw a police officer, but got scared because she figured that she must look suspicious. So uh, she wandered, and uh, about an hour later, uh, the family found her. Walking, just walking down the sidewalk, uh, praying novena mm -hmm. uh, that someone would help her. Mm -hmm. That was my mother. Oh wow! So, a year or so ago, when our community in Westfield talked to us about the dementia-friendly program and its aim to help anyone who deals with the public to recognize the signs and symptoms of dementia and understand the difference between symptoms of dementia and symptoms of psychological disorders or drunkenness or what have you, so they could help people with dementia. That struck a very deep chord within me, as you can imagine, because mm -hmm. I was out there that day <laughs> looking for her, and I wasn't the one who found her. And uh, so I really believe that what, uh, what Pam and Cassie uh, and other people in our, our, our company are doing to spread the word on the dementia-friendly program is really one of the most important things we've ever done as an organization to help individuals with dementia. I agree. I, you know, one of the questions I always ask everybody on the show, and I didn't start out with that, was, have you been touched? And, boy, you have really been touched. Um, you know, my mom was on the journey for 30 years, and we were lucky she'd never wandered away. 
um, because that fear, I, I just, I can't even imagine um, what that is like um, to have somebody lost and, you know, not know how, how the outcome is going to happen. So um, pretty powerful, pretty powerful story there, Bob. Um, Cassie, I'm just going to throw it to you. Have you, have you personally been touched with a family member or close friend with dementia or is it just basically, um, you know, your interest been in those you've worked with? Um, it started, I was, my story is a little bit different. I used to be a hairdresser and, um, I did that when I was very young and I had, um, a gentleman bring in his wife and let me know that, you know, she used to get her hair done every single week. And he has no clue what she wanted, but he wanted her to be happy and get her hair done. And um, the first day I did her hair, I quickly realized I knew nothing about Alzheimer's. And he had informed me that she had Alzheimer's. Um, and when I first did her hair and I turned her around and asked her what she thought in the mirror, she responded with, wow, that woman looks beautiful. Mm. And I was very, very caught off guard. I was 18, so I was very young, knew nothing about the disease and her sweet husband, you know, had me on the arm and said, oh, we'll be back every week. So I listened to their story and I learned a lot about them. I did her hair for two years and I realized I was her caregiver's relief. That was one hour a week that I was able to help him because it was really affecting him. And there was one day when she was in the salon with me. It was during a quiet time because we always brought her in during a quiet time and she fell with me and her husband was out running errands because it was his only break and I was obviously very distraught and upset and I'm calling 911 because she had hit her head and the EMTs came in and they were refusing to take her because she was saying she was fine and I was trying to explain to them that she has Alzheimer's and she's far advanced in the disease and not able to respond appropriately and they were fighting with me refusing to take her. I couldn't get a hold of the husband. When he finally came, she was claiming she didn't know the husband and the EMTs were refusing to take her. So it became very personal with me because I obviously cared for this woman very dearly and her husband and spent two years with learning about them and growing very close. So um, when I moved across the country to East to New England, I decided to switch careers and work with um, Alzheimer's and dementia. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew I wanted to. So I started out as a certified nurse assistant and quickly, you know, learned and taught myself and worked my way up so that way I could make a difference. And that's one of the things why with senior living residences, the dementia friendly, I, I got so excited when I heard about this because I was in that spot where I didn't know a lot about the disease. The EMTs knew nothing about the disease, and it was causing this woman such, such distress and causing such pain for her family because of his lack of knowledge. And so that was one of the things that I'm very big on is we need to let the community know in those instances, how can we help them? How can we not run into a situation where this poor woman who's bleeding from the head the EMTs are refusing to take her to the hospital because she's confused mm -hmm. and they're not sure how to respond to her. So it's very personal to me, not from my family, but um, I now, since working with individuals for so many years, every person that comes into my life that has some form of dementia and their families, it becomes very personal. Mm -hmm. I can I can understand why. Um, and as a beautician, I mean, I remember my mom just, I mean, that she loved going to get her hair done. You know, they, everybody did in the nursing home and, um, you know, it was just that time of that one-on-one -on -one and feeling special. And so you played a really big, important role, um, in, in that, uh, role in which you worked. Um, and it's, it's interesting that you changed careers, you know, basically because of that. Um, Pam, yeah. how about you? What's, what's your history? Do you, do, were you personally touched by dementia? No. Um, well, I haven't had anyone in my family with Alzheimer's or dementia. I've, I've had loved ones who have been caregivers, and I've seen firsthand how hard that can be on people. Um, I've also spent a good amount of time visiting family in nursing homes throughout my life, and I've seen how those other residents who have dementia were avoided and ignored by others, and that was really impactful to me. Even as a small child, I could see how wrong that was, that there was a need to build understanding and to provide access to information. So working on this project, uh, it, it's such a meaningful program for us, and it, 
it's just really great to be able to build up this information and let it out for everybody to have access to. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Um, Cassie, I'm going to um, throw a question to you. Now, yeah. you um, have worked in a, in a couple of assisted livings. Um, yeah. in, in the, um, you know, with the senior living residents. And can you talk a little bit about um, the innovative, um, you know, memory care program and how you educate staff and family and um, in residents? Do you do that separately? Do you do that together? We do. Um, it's, we always have an initial training when our staff come in, comes in. One of the trainings that always happens to every staff member is our dementia-friendly training that we also use out in the public. Um, because it is such a um, effective training and very emotionally empathetic, it, it seems to work very well with our staff members and it makes it very personal to them and they can be very understanding. So when they are working on the floor with those individuals, they have, they know, they've been through that experience. They've had that emotional stress um, that that the dementia experience um, puts you through. That they're able to understand where the residents are coming from. So when they're working with them, they're calm. They are patient. They understand how to communicate to them and understand their needs um, very very eloquently. Almost a lot of our staff members. Um, have been with us for a very long time because of the training that we put them through they feel confident in their work and they're able to effectively um, help people's lives and make them better the programs that they do um, are not just programs to entertain our residents they truly engage our residents and keep them learning we we know every single person that lives in one of our buildings has lived such amazing lives longer than us um, and they have so much more life experience from them than us that we use that in their programming and we help them know that it, it continues on. It doesn't end here. When we talk about lifelong learning and our reconnections program is one of them, we take subjects that people know about and we, we start learning the things we already know, almost a refresher. And then we add on more to that subject. So that way those individuals are still learning more. They still have purpose in life. They still have abilities. And we just bring that out in them. And our, you know, the, the staff we have in, in both the buildings I work in are truly caring people. That they will do these programs with so much enthusiasm because they truly believe in them. And it's amazing to watch these reconnections programs and then have the staff member. We do them a few times a week, so that way it's carrying on throughout the week. And so it's easier for them to continually remember what they've been doing because of the repetition, but then also adding in more and knowing that someone with dementia is still there and that we are bringing that out and we are helping them keep on to all the strengths that they still have. Okay. So, you know, when you had talked about um, engaging um, and truly still having the ability to learn and um, kind of the emotional connection and stuff for staff, are you doing something kind of like the virtual tour where they, they understand because they, they feel the stress of making choices and trying to follow directions? or? Yes. Um, Pam, Pam could actually speak very well about this. So she created this experience um, where we do sensory modifications. And Pam, do you want to jump in and explain the experience part of it? Sure. Um, yeah, our dementia experience is by far probably the most impactful piece of our dementia-friendly program. Uh, one of the goals of our dementia-friendly program was to create empathy for those who live with dementia. And we realized uh, right away that you simply can't do that with a PowerPoint presentation or a training booklet. Um, so we went in search of a sensitivity training that would help to explain not just the uh, physical impairments and the cognitive impairments, but also the emotional impact that dementia would have. And we found that there wasn't really a training out there like that. So we created one. Um, and that's 
the goal of our program is really to build empathy and as well as understanding. Okay. So it's a role-playing activity uh, where people are geared up with particular physical impairments and we create um, cognitive impairments as well. And then we ask them to go through activities that you would on a daily basis. Can you manage your household? Can you pay your bills? Can you make dinner for yourself? Can you manage your own prescriptions? And by going through this program um, and this training as somebody would who has dementia, we find it's incredibly impactful when the people are done. Oh, interesting. Can I ask how long the program is? The dementia experience itself probably is about six or seven, eight minutes or so to go through it, and then we have a uh, program afterwards of discussion. So in total, it probably takes about an hour or so. Okay, okay, great. I, I think, you know, I'm big on the whole experience uh, piece because I, I don't think we can uh, really shift our culture until we shift our hearts. You know, we throw statistics at everybody all day long and people will memorize them to pass a test and, and then they spit it back out. But when you can exactly. get them to feel... I mean, we saw programs that were out there that were, you, you could be certified as a dementia trainer by downloading a piece of paper and then you download the certificate that you signed for yourself. And like that's that's not real, that's not meaningful, that's not impactful, that's not going to change anything. Um, but a, a program like this does. Yeah, I... Um... What I call I what I call the type of training and speaking I do is emotional based, and that sounds exactly like what you're doing as well is is getting people to really understand the needs and um, you know to the best of our ability. Again, we can't duplicate um, the disease exactly, and and it's not the same. I think that's part of the big piece of the puzzle too is getting the public to understand this is a fluid disease. It isn't a bed in a bag. You know, you're not going to go in and, and get everything right every time by pulling out this piece and this piece in this order. It just doesn't work like that because, you know, as the saying goes, every person with dementia, you know, is different. Um, but so is every care partner and so is every environment. And so are our emotions that come into play. And so we, we have to have a toolkit. And um, it sounds like you guys are really doing a nice job at pulling everyone together, um, those diagnosed, their family members, the staff and the public at large. And, um, you know, I'm a big grassroots girl. That's that's what I'm all about is just getting people to have the conversation and share the knowledge. And so, um, you know, I just love what you're doing and that you're getting involved with the dementia-friendly, um, you know, coalition and stuff that's out there um, here in Minnesota. Um, the dementia-friendly initiative actually started out as Act on um, Act on Minnesota, and um, I was part of. A couple of groups there and it's just been really um, very fun and in Roseville we started out kind of as a grassroots group and, and now that our grant funding is gone we're going back to that um, but there's just such a, a core meaning and connection um, with everybody and it's it's getting people like yourselves and it sounds like you guys are doing this um, and looking at it really critically it's it's not about getting people in positions or power um, that will look good, you know, in terms of a movement. It's getting people with passion and understanding and empathy that get it because that's the only way it's going to be taught. Um, exactly. And, and some of the other goals that we have, too, is it's not just to offer this for families, um, which, which we want to do and we do do, but it was also to offer it to uh, the police officers in town, the firefighters in, in our cities, the people who work with seniors, doctors, nurses at hospitals, people in emergency departments that work with our seniors on, on a regular basis and are more likely to work with somebody who has Alzheimer's or dementia but might not have the tools in order to do it properly. Um, so we're really reaching out to these other groups as well. One of the programs we have right now, um, we're working with Boston University School of Medicine to train their fourth-year medical students in their geriatrics department so that they'll have this training going out into the world to be new doctors. Um, and I just think that that's some of the most important work we could be doing. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's interesting, you know, when you, when you talk about um, the doctors or you talk about the police, you know, even when Bob's mom was missing, um, I had an experience that was really eye-opening here in Minnesota. And I've talked about this before on the show, um, but it's so critical. We all think you know, that our, our counties and our police force and our doctors all get this, understand it, and have a plan. 
and in our government, too, that they're going to take care of it. And it, it, that's not working. It, it really isn't happening. Um, it's starting to. But we have a long, long ways to go. I had a friend whose sister wandered out of an assisted living, and um, there, was, there wasn't even a notice to the public for over nine days that she was gone. And oh, I was just, wow. I was livid. I was out of town and I'm like, I'm going to go up there with you. And, and, and um, you know, we kind of got the run around and she was ready to go because it's like, well, they know what they're doing. And I'm like, no, this is a vulnerable adult. We are not leaving her. We're going to the press. This is ridiculous, you know, and, and really found out that people don't know how to handle these situations and that there's, there's not near as, as much established as we think there is when somebody goes missing. And I'll be rolling out here um, shortly a new um, group that I'm going to be uh, partnering with in terms of finding missing people and how it's a very inexpensive and something that everybody can really tap into and work with to help um, locate along with, you know, uh, things like, uh, you know, uh, oh, what is it? The, I'm, I'm going to go brain dead on the, the what is it? The Life Project. Um, that's not it. Um, you guys know what I'm talking about, though. But there's uh, with one of the bands. I'm, I'm having a I'm having a moment. What can I say? I guess that's why I'm doing the show. <laughs> um, it'll come to me, um, anyways. But in terms of helping people, it, it takes it takes multitudes of levels of interest and working together um, instead of everybody trying to be so proprietary and not sharing knowledge and not overlapping. Um, because we all have different ideas that are just really powerful, and they're they're good on their own. But when we but when we mix them together, oh my gosh, it's it's really cool to see. And I'm just you know I'm honored in my job to be able to talk with so many people who are doing such cool things and sharing what they're doing and getting others ignited, you know, to make a change. That's just so 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 fun. Um, uh, Pam, I want to throw out to you, um, so far in Massachusetts, can you tell us exactly what you guys have done with your dementia-friendly um, process? Yeah, well, we, um, we started with Westfield in 2014 and kind of worked out some of our kinks with the, the Westfield project, and then we started rolling it out to, across Massachusetts. Um, we have a number of cities and towns that we're working with. We get uh, calls often from police departments who are looking for this type of program. Uh, we built a train-the-trainer program uh, so we can train other people to do the dementia experience and some of our other training materials. One of my goals when we were creating the dementia experience was to make something, um, a kit that was easy to replicate and easy for other people to be able to, to do. Um, rather than, you know, having to purchase something that was really expensive and, and other things that would make it inhibitive. Um, so we created our dementia experience and we're offering it to anybody who wants it. Anybody who wants to learn how to be a facilitator of it can go either go through a train the trainer or they can contact us and we can give them a facilitator's guide and they can do this on their own. So that was one of the bigger things that we did this year as well is kind of make all of this stuff accessible. We have our website where you can get materials from there as well. Um, we started working with, as I said, a number of schools, uh, Boston University School of Medicine and a few other colleges to help train students and nurses, doctors, and people who are um, in physical therapy, occupational therapy, and things like that as well. Right. And most recently, we started working with the city of Boston. And Cassie can talk a little bit about what we're specifically doing in that area, but we're, we're really excited to be able to bring our training um, to a, a, a larger population. Oh, wonderful. Before I go to Cassie, I just want to um, ask you, Pam, have you um, targeted at all, like, um, junior high and high schools at all? We have worked with several um, junior highs and high schools. And we also have a few things uh, planned for this year as well. It is a question we're starting to get a lot more often. Is, okay. You know, don't you think this would be a great program for younger people? And it, it really, really would be. It's, a, it's more a matter of logistics and bringing it into the schools at this point. Yeah, I, I know I've done some training, and I haven't done it for ages. But you know, I started out just kind of going in as a volunteer to speak, and then pretty soon I was doing, you know, two-hour programs and merge classes and stuff, and we did a lot of interactive things. And it was incredible how many kids are touched by this disease, and they don't have a clue because families don't share the details, and they want to help. 
but they don't know how because you know it's it, it's not kids' business. It's you know this is adult stuff, and um, we it's still being treated like that. And they've got time, they've got energy, they've got creative ability. Um, you know, a lot of them are starting to do projects on this. Who are touched? Some have started um, actual support groups within their school system. I mean, it's endless. And, you know, they bring this stuff home to the supper table. And in the car, you know, when they're going to the soccer game and stuff, having conversations. And um, it, I think it could be a really game changer. And I haven't seen anybody initiate that. And, you know, I'd love to see that move forward. I just personally just don't have the time. But um, I, I, I know it's a need and I know it works. And the kids are really excited about it. And and with so many of the concepts with dementia, it can have even a broader life in terms of bullying and just how we treat one another. And, um, it, and it's pretty easy to wrap all together um, to do. It's very, very, very fun. So um, thank you for, for telling us what you're doing. Uh, Cassie, what are you doing with the city of Boston? So one of the, um, I've done, there are a few councils that I'm on throughout the city, um, like a long-term um, a long-term task force for the elderly and then some other councils where I've gone to professionals and had them go through the experience so that way they can reach out to others. Um, and then one of a very fun one that I did was very interesting was we did it for Boston's senior program. So what that is, their caregiver program, they have seniors, caregivers matched up with other seniors in the community. The interesting thing about this one, there was about 40 seniors in this community or in this class that we did, and English was not their first language. But where it was that experience piece, they were still able to go through the emotions and have that emotion because it doesn't matter what language you speak, emotions are still there. So we put about 40 of the Boston senior home caregivers through that um, for some of the empathy training we, I'm working with a few, a few districts for the police departments in the areas I work. Um, we're working on a few dates for us to start doing some police officers within the community where my communities are in South Boston. And then I also am working with um, an EMT company mm-hmm. in that our area that um, we will be training all of their EMTs. And then we have, I have a fire department I'm working at um, just south of Boston. Mm-hmm. So a lot of good things. I'm working with some people from State Street that are just offering up some programs and trainings for just their employees. Um, that, that one will be very exciting. Oh. And then I just have a lot of conversations going on um, right now to start planning more. Everyone's a little weary with um, the New England weather. <laughs> so they always try to hold off on a bit until I can get, until the snow's gone, because you never know how the weather's going to turn out whenever we make plans. But we have a lot of really good things going. Plus, we have, um, we do have our communities. So both um, my communities, the my assisted livings that I work in, all of our staff are 100% dementia friendly, too. So that goes from the receptionist to the cooks in the kitchen, the housekeepers, the executive director. Every single person in our building is trained on this experience also. So it's, we, we practice what we preach. We're not just out in the community. We're, we're in our communities making sure we're 100% dementia-friendly also. Oh, that that's wonderful. And I, and I think that's one of the big differences, too, that uh, that you guys are doing. Um, and again, for those of you that are just turning tuning in, we're talking with uh, um, three people from senior living residences out in Massachusetts. And, you know, a lot of companies get involved in this process um, on a community level, but uh, but many that I see aren't taking it internally. And you guys are really doing internal work as well as exterior work. And and I think that's that's where the impact you know really comes, is you're walking the talk and and um, it makes a big big difference when you lead by example like that. So kudos to you. One thing that you might want to um, talk to Boston about. We did this in Roseville, Minnesota, and to our knowledge, they're the first city in the nation to do this, but they've actually uh, dedicated a page to Alzheimer's and dementia, and I'd be glad to send you a link um, to that page. And 
you know, for the most part, um, the information on there is stagnant and it's just kind of links sending things out. But then we have an event section that is updated monthly so that people can see what's going on as far as educational programs. The city is in the process of um, becoming um, part of the Purple Angel Project, and uh, we're just lining up some educational programs and things for staff. Um, and, you know, that might be another step. Um, they've gotten um, just wonderful reviews from people in the city and outlining cities, um, just loving these resources. And again, it's, it's very simple. Our goal was, you know, people told us it, it couldn't be done, it's too much work. And, you know, somebody tells us that, and we're like, okay, we'll prove you wrong on that one. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll get this up and running. That's just kind of how we work. And um, it's been a, a pretty fabulous little model. And uh, like I said, I'd be more than glad to send you a link to that or hook you up with the city manager, um, Pat over there, um, you know, if Boston's interested in talking with them on how has this impacted them as a city and what are the benefits, et cetera, um, to that. That'd be wonderful. Okay, I will, I will definitely, definitely do that. I think that that's, that's very, um, it, it's just a, it's a, it's very neat. You need kind of one person to coordinate with the city person to submit stuff. But, you know, when you're meeting on a regular basis in your community and then people, you know, we just put out there what's working and, and the various support groups that are available to people. And, and um, you know, it really hasn't been that difficult um, to, to maintain with that. Um, Bob, we haven't talked with you for a little while, so I'm going to pull you back into the conversation. I don't want to hear you snoring over there on the other end. Yeah, I'm listening carefully, closely. <laughs> okay. okay. Enjoying the whole discussion. <laughs> well, good. Um, again, I so appreciate your time as as the president of the company. I know your time is, is extremely valuable, as is um, Pam's and, and Cassie's. Um, in terms of you had, you had shared the story about, you know, your mom um, having dementia and, and wandering off, um, what what are you looking to bring through the dementia friendly initiative in in Massachusetts? What what is your if you had two goals? What would you say um, your two goals are personally that you would like to see tackled by this initiative? Well, I think that uh, uh, business is about a lot more than business mm -hmm. and. Uh, uh, you know, everyone knows that, that when you're in a business, you're in a competitive environment and you're trying to uh, keep your head above water, particularly if you're a smaller business, from one day to the next. And um, uh, when, you, when you do something that uh, has been as successful as the Compass program has been, um, it's, uh, you're, you're, you're kind of even then competing against yourself to continue to make it better. Uh, but... Um, Above and beyond kind of the um, accomplishing the immediate objectives um, on a daily or a monthly basis of, of um, you know, meeting your payroll and providing, you know, uh, right, doing right by your employees and your associates and so forth and um, making sure that uh, you're, you're making ends meet and making a reasonable return and all that. Um, there's, there's, there's something more, and the, the something more is, is uh, I think that particularly if you're in a field that you feel passionately about, like like all of us do, about uh, uh, caring for folks with, uh, with dementia and their families, um, you want to um, see if you can uh, help either set them some things in motion or help advance some ideas that might otherwise not get advanced that uh, are going to go uh, way beyond what you do in the, within the four walls of your buildings and uh, are going to um, uh, impact the lives of people who are not your customers, we're never going to be your customers, but people who, um, who share that same uh, issue, that same concern that, that uh, you know, we're addressing uh, inside our communities. The, the people... Having been through it, uh, even though I'm a professional in this field, uh, when Alzheimer's hit me and my family, it was it was isolating, and I wasn't sure exactly where to turn. You know, Benjamin Franklin uh, uh, had that maxim that uh, a lawyer who represents himself has an idiot for a lawyer and a fool for a client. <laughs> uh, and I think that that really speaks to how... Uh, how disoriented a professional can 
can even a professional can become when uh, the thing that they spend their their business side of their life on uh, all of a sudden is impacting them personally. And uh, it wasn't really until uh, my mother had Alzheimer's, lived in our one of our communities, passed away in our one of our communities after after six or seven years. Um, uh, with that experience, I I gained an entirely new insight for the first time, really, uh, in a very authentic way, about how valuable what our caregivers uh, and our managers do for folks in Alzheimer in our communities with Alzheimer's, and and I began to realize that um, the the families who are able to find uh, an Alzheimer's care setting that they really appreciate, whether it's in a nursing home or in an assisted living, because good work is done in both places. But when families are able, the families that are able to find that solution and have it work well for them and, and, and who are as happy as our families are with, with, with the Compass program, they're the lucky ones. What about all the other families that are out there dealing with this on their own who have very little access to resources because they don't even know those are there. Mm-hmm. And what about the seniors in the community who have early dementia and even their families aren't fully aware, as I was not fully aware? What about them? So my goal with the uh, dementia-friendly uh, program that Pam and Cassie are, are implementing so successfully is to give our communities an opportunity to, to participate in a really broadening and, and enduring kind of a, uh, of a program um, that will take care of, uh, of those people out in a larger community that really are kind of lost. Um, and uh, I, I know it will help seniors. I, I, I know it will help families. I know it's going to be good for those people who work in retail operations and, and uh, as Cassie once did um, and the people who, the firefighters and the, and the police officers and, and, and so forth. And you mentioned the, the schools. Um, uh, if we can, if we can do, do that, I think that the second thing that will achieve is it will, um, it will bring down that stigma of Alzheimer's that I, I talked about at the, at the beginning of the program. Um, I saw an advertisement recently on TV for one of the major Alzheimer's organizations that was doing fundraising, doing a fundraising appeal, and they had a footage of a an older couple walking along the beach, and with every few steps, the wife, the spouse, the wife and the and the couple, begin to slowly disappear, and 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 after about 20 seconds or so of this. She was gone, just vaporized basically, and the and the husband's walking down the beach alone. And then the the announcer intoned that this is what Alzheimer's was all about. And that um, and I've held that uh, up up as as an example to uh, my own associates, and I've done trainings for our associates on Alzheimer's. And I say that I find that image abhorrent that people with Alzheimer's do not disappear, that quite the opposite. They're, in, in many ways, they're, they're living the kind of ideal present life, and that, that, that families with Alzheimer's get saddled with the stigma that if it's Alzheimer's, we must be ashamed of it. Uh, I had a I had talked to a family the other day, and, and the, uh, it's, a, an early, it's a familial Alzheimer's case, um, a woman is 54 years old. Um, her sister and mother both had early Alzheimer's. Um, and she's told her, uh, grown children now, um, that she thinks she may have Alzheimer's and they just learned that it's a familial thing. They had no idea about that. Um, and she's told them, don't tell anybody. She's ashamed. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's what I think it has to change. And I think that the, dementia-friendly program that uh, we've been talking about is a very, very constructive, positive way to, at 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 one hand, be doing something positive 
for individuals with Alzheimer's and, and early stages of dementia. And it's also a way of knocking back that stigma. Which is so critical, so critical. It just, um, you know, I mean, we've got people locked in a closet that are scared to death. And nobody nobody should feel that way because of an illness. Um, it, it's just so wrong on so many levels. And, you know, it's exciting to see all the changes coming out and taking place. And, you know, we're hearing more and more in the news, in print, on, in social media, um, in educational programs, and, and things are really changing. It, it's a very um, hopeful time as, as much as everyone talks about the tsunami and the numbers and, and all those realistic things um, and that there is no cure. It's time to give people hope instead of leveraging that fear. Um, it's time to get us to work together as community and get back to core values and understand the impact that we have and that we can, we can change things by doing small little things that don't have to cost us a lot of money um, and don't have to take a lot of time, you know, just consciously caring. And we don't do that um, as a society, and, it, and it's showing up every day on the news, you know, in, in really negative ways. We have to learn how to consciously care again, and I think, um, you know, I think that's what the disease is here to teach us, pull us back to our roots and um, make us better people. Yeah, so you for for sharing that um uh cassie is there anything else that you would like to share with our audience cassie are you there yes oh yes sorry i think my phone cut out for a minute but i'm here that's okay is there anything else that you would like to share with our audience at all um one last thing that i was thinking about as we were having this conversation um you know we talked a lot about how it does have this negative thing, and I think it puts a lot of fear in our lives. Um, but I noticed myself, because I've worked in the field so long and, and hands-on with individuals suffering from memory impairment and dementia, I, when I'm out in the community, I, I notice it more. I see the individuals that have it. And I, I remember one time I was at the pharmacy just waiting for a prescription to be filled, and there was an individual... And I saw his wife say, please just stay right here. Stay right by the cart. Don't leave. And I could just look in her face like she was just, she just needed to go grab something. And it was a busy, it was a busy store. And she went and I saw him look at something and start walking away. So I went over there, engaged in conversation with him and kept him near the cart until she got back. And the woman said, she's like, thank you. He has, and I stopped her so she didn't have to explain it in front of him because it's it didn't matter to me. I was aware that he had, you know, dementia. But I stop and think, I, I'm aware enough to be able to do that and engage in conversation. So that gentleman didn't wander off, and his wife was able just to go quickly grab something because it's stressful being that caregiver. But I hope that other people do that same thing. Because if I wasn't there, I'm a professional in the field, so I know what I'm looking out for. But we need everyday people to do it. When my family lives so far away from they live clear across the country, but when my parents get older, if you know if this afflicts them or when if it afflicts my grandparents, I want someone to be able to care for them and looking out for them when they're out in the public. You never know when that moment is when they do not when you lose the safety awareness. So I want someone to be able to engage in that conversation. I don't want it to be this is the end of the road. How can we make this situation better? How can we all as a community just do this? Because I know I'm out there doing it, and it would just make it would just make me feel so good inside being able to see other people doing those small little things to help out and and just give the lives of everyone that suffers just quality of life because that's the most important part. I I so agree, so agree. Um, thank you again for your time today. Mm -hmm. um, Pam, any last comments for you? Um, just to let people know that if they were interested in learning more about what we're doing in Massachusetts because they wanted to get access to our trainings or do something similar in their own cities, towns, communities, um, you can get more information about what we're doing at dfcommunities.org. 
Wonderful. Thank you. And uh, the, the uh, name of the project that I couldn't remember that works with police as well as Project Lifesaver. So I had, I had the Lifesaver part, but I didn't have the project there um, with uh, Chief Saunders and stuff. And, and they're doing some cool stuff around, around the country as well. And I'm sure that they would be interested in, in your work um, as well. Um, the other question I did want to pose to you before I let you guys go is, are you working at all with the Purple Angel Project or are you doing any memory cafes? Those are two things that are just close to my, my own heart personally. Um, we're not doing anything with the Purple Angels um, right now, but we are starting to do some memory cafes. We have a few of our communities that are working with um, different memory cafes in different towns and we're starting a few at a few of our communities as well. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. They're just uh, such fun projects. I, I know when I brought it over from the UK, our one in Roseville, we have like three groups that um, go kind of hand in hand um, all at the same time. And it's just been so much fun um, to be part of those and, and to see them grow all over the country. I mean, we, we know that there's probably around 200 of them, but we don't really know for sure because um, so many of them are... are um, coordinated via grassroots efforts that, you know, don't have time to, to network so much, but it's, uh, it's exciting to hear all of the stories and, and things that are happening. Um, the other thing I wanted to throw out to you too, I don't know if you've heard about, um, the film I'm working with his neighbor, Phil, which is a Hollywood film, um, about dementia. And if you guys are ever interested in, in hosting, um, the film, you know, give, give me a holler. It really is, um, quite spectacular. It's been very fun bringing it around the country and seeing the response um, for people with dementia, for um, family um, care partners, as well as professionals, the reaction to this film. Because it's the first film that I've seen that truly shows how families are impacted. Um, the individual relationships between husband and wife, their children, their siblings, um, parents um, of someone who's gotten uh, diagnosed, uh, friends, colleagues, um, work. It just brings, brings so much together and then pulls things together through, through music. And, um, it, it really helps kind of push that dialogue, um, forward and helps connect people to the resources right there in their own community as well. So, well, I am just so excited. I am so thankful that you guys took the time. I apologize for again, being a little bit late today, um, given my flat tire episode, but, um, you know, I think we've had a, a wonderful show here. And again, people can go to uh, www.seniorlivingresidence.com to learn Residences, more. Residences, plural. Residences. Um, thank you, Bob. Um, or you can go to dfcommunities.org as well for dementia-friendly uh, community initiative there. And again, I thank you all so much for your time. And I will get you that information on the city of Roseville, um, Cassie, uh, so that uh, you know you can talk with uh, with Pat, the city manager over there, or just uh, kind of take a look at their site and, and see if that's something that might be of interest, um, you know, to your community out there. So again, thank, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you all, and and have a wonderful day. Appreciate it. Thank you very thank you. much. Thanks, Lori. Yep. Bye now. Uh, for those of you that um, missed our last show, we had singer, pianist on with us, uh, John Morehouse, and he talked about music therapy recreational programs and um, some collections that he has uh, pulled together on uh, CDs and, and DVDs. And uh, so that's something you might want to go listen to. Um, next week, we are going to be talking with movie director, um, on, uh, on a film called Remember When, and uh, very excited to have them on. We also did our last Dementia Chats, which is a, um, a webinar series we do twice a month where our experts actually have dementia, and that um, we discussed basically why people challenge um, those with a dementia diagnosis, and it, it really is quite the issue out there and really adds a lot of stress to those diagnosed and our experts, again, all are living with dementia, and they discussed how it makes them feel and also why they think people do that. Excuse me. <coughs> oh, I, I did pretty good for an hour here. <coughs> here go my allergies. 
Um, so with that, I'm going to go ahead and um, wrap up. If you're in Minnesota, though, uh, come and see his neighbor Phil on January 24th at Polar Ridge Senior Living in North St. Paul at 2 p.m. Have a blessed week. And again, thank you so much for coming. And uh, don't forget to check out um, Mortgages in VS um, on Alive and Social, as well as checking out um, Apples to Apples, um, and, and which is a father and son show that talks about sports on Mondays at 2.30. Thanks so much. Bye now. Hey everybody, Jared Sebastian, host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.